I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, please, to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. We're going to have an illustration of the lesson that we received last week on Psalm chapter 40, verses 1, 2, and 3. Uh, Just by way of review, last week we read these verses from the psalmist. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand and put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God, many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. That's a beautiful verse of scripture that applies to so many areas of life. And today we're going to see, hopefully, an illustration of this text come to life. Now, I just have to ask you a question before we begin. What, what is your first reaction when you see someone on a street corner holding up a sign that says, we'll work for food? I dare say some of you might say, he ain't going to work, he just wants my money. Okay? Some of you might say, oh, I feel sorry for that guy, depending on his condition. Might be a legitimate situation, might not be a legitimate situation. But I remember one time I was driving up I just caught me off guard. I was driving up to a stop sign, and as I was going there, I looked over to the right, and I saw a person that had a will work for food sign, and I knew who the person was. And let me tell you, that changes things. At least I thought I knew who the person was. I think when that person saw me, they folded up the sign and hit the road because they didn't want to be seen. I don't know that. I never followed up to find out. But let me tell you, uh, there are many folks that have turned those incidents into ministries where you can go ahead and bless somebody who has those kinds of hardships in their lives. Today we're going to look at one such person in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 and following. Let's look at this text together. It's worth reading again. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he began. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. As we look at this text of scripture, it's kind of dreary the way it starts off. Uh, If you're sharp, you'll recognize that this week's outline is the same as last week's outline because I want to demonstrate Psalm 41 through 3. So the first point is uh, the waiting on God or they waited on God. Now, what we see here is a couple of things taking place. Peter and John, two of Christ's disciples slash apostles, went up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, by way of exegesis, there were three times of prayer every day. And those that were committed to the Lord went to the temple and they prayed three times a day. This particular prayer time was at three o'clock in the afternoon. There was also a morning and evening sacrifice which took place every day in the temple. And this happens to be the second of those times. So a lot of stuff's going on here. Peter and John go in the temple to pray. In the temple, they're offering up a sacrifice. 
Okay, so kind of set the table. Verse 2 says, as they went to their time of prayer, they saw a man crippled from birth, being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4, verse 22, that this man was over 40 years old. So you kind of get in your mind a picture of a daily groundhog day, if you will, a daily schedule that was taking place. Here are these guys going three times a day to their place of prayer in the temple. They're having two sacrifices a day. And here's this gentleman who's carried to the gate called Beautiful to beg for his living. It's kind of a depressing scene, if you will, if you just look at it like that. But I want you to notice something. What we're about to see would not have happened if they were not going through the mundane routines of life. If Peter and John decided not to pray, everything we're about to see would not have happened. If the man had not been begging, everything we're going to see would not have happened. So God works through the mundane, even though we don't see it while we're in the mundane. It's important to keep your schedule in service to the Lord, even when you don't see things taking place. When times get depressing, it doesn't mean God has left you. And we've got to understand that because we walk by sight instead of by faith. Uh, Soon we'll be out of sight and then out of faith. So we see this taking place. A man crippled from birth was there as well. Now, a couple of things we see here. This guy, that's the only thing he'd known in his life. He was crippled from birth. But there are people carrying him. He had friends that every day for many years were carrying him to the temple. They're the unsung heroes in this text. Aren't you glad for unsung heroes, friends of faith? You're here today, most likely because somebody was used of God to impact your life. They carried you when you couldn't carry yourself. So here's this cripple from birth being carried to the temple, uh, to the temple gate called Beautiful. And he's carried there by some friends day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, a daily routine. If the daily routine, again, had not happened, everything we're about to see would not have taken place. Then we get to verse 3. There's a talk of a payment here. When the cripple saw Peter and John, he did what he knew to do. He asked them for money. Same thing happens every day. When you drive up to the street corner, you see that sign, we'll work for food. It's been happening for a long time. There are those in our society, those in our culture, who are in the same boat. Now, We've got to watch our hearts here because if you're not careful, you can get really, really cynical. Has COVID made you cynical? Has COVID made you talk about other Christians? Has COVID made you talk about the circumstances of life? Excuse me. Our God is in control. He's the one we go to. We look to him. We don't draw our faith by looking at other people. This is a dreary situation. In the sense that it's day after day, God doesn't seem like he's showing up. It's just waiting. Who likes to wait? You know? The other day I went through Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is supposed to be like the fastest ever, right? And I had to wait. And I'm thinking, man, what is wrong with this place? No Chick-fil-A makes you wait. You know? You go to these other fast food restaurants, nobody goes there anymore. You know, why don't you go there? Because I don't want cold food. I want Chick-fil-A. You know, whatever. But, but you have to wait. Sometimes it's worth waiting, isn't it? Well, there's something in the human heart that doesn't want to wait. We want God to give us what we want when we want it. Here we see this situation that's just 
tough to look at. Now, Dr. W.A. Criswell, the great preacher in, uh, he's deceased now, but First Baptist Dallas, describes this picture for us. He said, look, before the beggar's eyes was one of the most beautiful pictures in the whole world. And he begins to describe the temple in great detail. Flavius Josephus, the historian, described the temple as absolutely breathtaking, made of solid white marble. The front of the temple was covered with gold, shining with purity and splendor. Josephus said the eye could not even look upon it because of its brilliance. The beautiful gate was considered one of the most beautiful gates in the temple. So you see this picture of this temple, the presence of God, and this beautiful gate, just stunning. And then in front of that gate, these gentlemen took their friend, the beggar, and put him right there. History says they put him there because it was a great place to ask for money. People go to worship and they feel good. They feel like they're giving. It was an opportune time for this guy to make an income, to make a living. So that's why they put him there. But I want you to see the picture here. The beauty of God's temple and this, this man crippled. It's kind of a picture of the world versus the Lord and the way God wants to do things. You see, it's a picture of what could be called the world's sin. Now, I'm not saying this man was a great sinner. I'm saying that it's a contrast between God's work and the world's work. And they're contrary to each other. God needs to intervene in this situation. But for whatever reason, God hasn't done it yet. Perhaps God needs to intervene in your situation, but for whatever reason, God hasn't done it yet. But it does not mean he's a bad God. It does not mean he's a good God. It means he's a wonderful God that's wiser than you and I are. And he's waiting for whatever reasons he's waiting for, but he's still very much in control. Do you understand that God's in control? If you don't understand that God's in control, you're missing it. He's very much in control and he knows exactly what our situations and lives are. But he makes you wait. I've used this illustration before. Hopefully you'll get the, the picture here. The Chinese bamboo tree is like this. You plant a seed and then you water it and you fertilize it. Fertilize it. For one year, you get absolutely nothing. So you go into the second year, you water and fertilize it some more and nothing happens. Same thing in the third and fourth years. You water and fertilize this seed and nothing happens. Then the fifth year, you water and fertilize it, something begins to happen. In about six weeks, the Chinese bamboo tree can grow anywhere from six to 90 feet after five years of watering and, and fertilizing. And let me tell you, when we go through life, we're very much like that seed. God waters and God fertilizes, but he doesn't yet reveal what you're going to be or what he's going to do in your life until he's ready. God wants us to learn how to wait upon the Lord. Are you ready to do that? As we mentioned last week, God let his own son walk on this earth for 30 years before he began his public ministry. God allowed Abraham to be back in the, uh, Moses to be back in the desert for 40 years before he called him to ministry. God always prepares before he promotes. He does not promote until you're prepared. And yet, we feel like God's taking too long. I've prayed about this and God had to answer me, therefore God doesn't care about me. Excuse me? 
God cares, but he wants to show us he's the one that we can trust. Are you going to trust him when you cannot see? Church history is filled with people who took God by his invisible hand and walked with him through the difficulties and the struggles of life. God taught them how to wait, and God teaches us how to wait. He's teaching this group of people how to wait as well. That's kind of the difficult part of this message. Aren't you glad you're ready to get off of it and go to something a little bit better? Point number two, the wonder and the work of God. I said this last week, it's either the wonder or the work. You can pick whichever word you want to use. But here we see some of the most fabulous words in all of this story. Verse four, Peter looked straight at him as did John and Peter said, look at us. Now this is an imperative. Perhaps the, the beggar was a little ashamed of his lot in life. But Peter is saying to him, look at us. It's an exclamation point. It's a command. You got to get your eyes off of what you're looking at and get your eyes on something else. You got to look at us and our message for you. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. He said, hey, this is an opportunity. They said, look, maybe they're going to give me a few dollars here. Uh, That's something that would be considered for him a good day. Hey, I'm going to get something out of this. But he didn't realize that God was up to a whole lot more than he even thought possible. As you go to verse 4, it says, look at us. Verse 6 says, Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. In the Greek, that's two commands. Get up and walk. So you see this series of three commands here. Look at us, get up, and walk. Well, you first look at this and you're going, what in the world? This doesn't seem possible. You see, you and I have been so trained in enlightenment thinking where we don't think miracles are possible. Let me tell you something. If you get sick enough, you're going to ask God to do a miracle in your life. We've been so trained into thinking God can't, God won't, God doesn't want to. Now, I've got to be very careful how I say this because we've got to understand what the purpose of a miracle is. I always go to a good scholar to try to find this information out so you don't think it's my opinion. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his commentary on this says this is what a miracle is. It is always God who heals. If it is not God's will that you should be healed, you can have the best treatment in the world and you'll not get well. God normally heals indirectly by means of doctors and medicine, but he sometimes heals without them. He sometimes heals directly. God is not confined by his own laws. He has made those laws, and if he chooses to act independently of them, why should he not? He's God. If you make an instrument, you can use it, but you're not bound to do so. Sometimes you can do the same thing without it. But when a miracle takes place, it does not mean that the laws of nature are broken. In a miracle, God in his almighty power is acting in a different way than the laws of nature prescribe. That's what's meant by a miracle. It's still the source that we've got to go to, God himself. We've got a bunch of folks that have given up on God and his power and his wisdom and his goodness. We look at culture, we look at all the things that are going on around us, and we get a very hard heart. And we say, can't you see what's going on? And we forget who he is. And we forget what he can do. We allow our circumstances to define God better than God's word to define God for us. And man, we get into a a deep, dark strait when we do that. Look at your own heart right now. How would you define your relationship with the Lord right now? Are you mad at him? Upset at him? 
frustrated about what's going on in our culture. All of those things have direct bearing upon your spiritual condition. But that's not how we learn who God is. This was a dire situation that had been going on year after year, day after day. It was a very tough, tough time. But notice what it says in verse 6. Peter says, I'm not going to give you money. but What I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. Now, the Bible tells us that Peter and John are not like us. They were given authority by the Lord Jesus Christ to cast out demons and to do miracles. Authority that you and I have not been given. So we don't need to walk around and doing this to folks. There's some folks that do that. But what we see here is an incredible picture of the man who was day after day going through this and suddenly he was healed. Look what it says in verse 7. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. God did something instantly after a long time of seemingly not working. Don't give up on God because God's not giving up on you. I realize in this culture, that's just like, don't believe it, Jeff. Fine. God's bigger than your concerns. God understands what we need before we even ask. You know, every Sunday before we come in here, I get on my little chair in my office and I get down on my knees and I pray. I don't pray for a crowd. I don't pray for people. I pray for God to show up. Whoever comes, I just pray that the Lord will touch your heart and speak his truth to you and bring about change in your life. Just like this guy was touched here. And I pray that my heart will be touched. Secondly, I pray that God will remove all pride from me. I'm his. If he wants to do something in my life that humbles me, that's that's his business, not mine. Because I know that God can move instantly, just like that when he wants to. And we see that in this incident. The guy had been crippled and a beggar for so long and all of a sudden, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. And the guy's healed just like that instantly. My mind went back to a a story I heard in the 1990s of a pastor by the name of Dwayne Miller. Dwayne Miller was the preacher of a Southern Baptist church, Brenham, Texas. And all of a sudden he contracted a flu, he contracted a virus, and he lost his ability to speak. He couldn't talk anymore. He just, one day, and when you're a preacher, that's a pretty tough thing. You go through all this seminary, you go through all this training, and all of a sudden you get sick, and all of a sudden you just lose your voice like that. And he's just kind of going, Lord, what's up? He couldn't talk. He had to resign his church because he couldn't preach anymore. Now, how would you like that if God allowed a situation like that to come into your life? Abandoned? God, I've tried to serve you. I didn't do anything wrong, and this... Freak accident happens where I catch this virus and I lose my voice. Three years later, he got asked to teach a Sunday school class at First Baptist Church Houston. And as he's up teaching that class, it's on Psalm 103. And as he's speaking, you can hear this, by the way, on YouTube if you want to check it out. Uh, You can hear the, the actual transformation that takes place. He's reading these words as he's teaching a Sunday school class from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. All of a sudden, he begins to speak again. Three years after having to go through this, all of a sudden, God restored his voice. In God's perfect time, in God's perfect way. Why? Who knows? God knows. 
even though he didn't. He's now been in the ministry for 48 years, pastors another church in Texas. God restored him and he's still faithfully serving the Lord. But he understood by going through that difficult situation that God is good, God is powerful, God is wise. Let me ask you a question. Are you absolutely convinced that God is good, God is wise, and God is powerful? Let me ask that again. Are you absolutely convinced God is good, God is wise, God is wise, and God is powerful? We tend to trust our wisdom and our power more than we trust the Lord. We trust, tend to trust our convictions and our words over the convictions and word of the Lord. Well, this guy that we see in this story had a profound transformation. Look what it says, and here's your third point, the worship of God, verses 8 through 10. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Now, I don't think we understand that verse too much. He hasn't ever done this. He was born crippled. He had never had the opportunity to do this before. We take it for granted. He never did. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts. There are three participles here. Walking, jumping, and praising. (laughs) Aren't you excited for him? Are you glad for him? Are you glad for people that God touches if it's not you? He is walking and jumping and praising God. There is nothing but sheer joy coming from this passage of Scripture. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. They saw that this was the guy who had been there sitting at the temple gate called Beautiful all those years. I tell you, when Jesus touches somebody, when Jesus really touches somebody, there's going to be a change in their worship. It's going to go from ritual to real. It's not going to necessarily be external, but it could be. But it most definitely will be internal. You're going to have an understanding of who God is and who your creator is. Will you trust him? Year after year, day after day, to achieve his purposes at his time, in his way, where he brings about something amazing. And we see why that he did it. It says in the end of this verse, the people that were watching were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They saw what was taking place in this gentleman's life, and they were absolutely changed. One of the things I've noticed through the years is that when Christians get discouraged, what happens to their praise, their praise leaves. They just quit praising. They lose the joy of their salvation. As you go through this text, there are many scholars that say that this is a physical picture of what happens spiritually to a person. As a man gets healed physically, so we get healed spiritually. As a man gets healed physically and begins to worship the Lord, we get healed spiritually and begin to worship the Lord. Worship is the litmus test of our salvation. Can you worship the Lord when you don't feel like it? And let me tell you, we live in a time when it's really, really hard to feel like it, isn't it? Because all around us, there's just so much discouragement. There's so much depression. There's so much, you hear, I hear almost every day from folks that are going through difficult times. Throw that on top of all the other terrible things in life that take place. But it does not change who God is. He's trustworthy. He is absolutely trustworthy. Back in the 1960s, there was a a preacher who was really discouraged. Thankfully, they had a revival meeting, and some things were really going great at this revival meeting. And he had a, a friend that he said, hey... You need to really look at this meeting and see how God's doing some stuff. 
somebody had given a testimony or something like that at the meeting and said God had touched them. Similar to what's taking place here. They had gone through all this Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day experiences and all of a sudden they were touched by the Lord. And when God touched that person, it revolutionized their lives. And in their own way, they were walking and jumping and praising God. And the evangelist said to, to his friend, he said, you need to write a book, a, a song on this. So that man wrote a song and real fast, Bill Gaither, actually Bill Gaither wrote the song, the lyrics, he touched me. And they go like this, shackled by a heavy burden, need the, need the Lord again in shame. And the hand of Jesus touched me and now I'm no longer the same. He touched me. He touched me. What a wonderful joy that fills my soul. You know, I, I'm not saying that Jesus is going to touch you right here and now. But some of us have been touched in the past by the Lord. And some of us are going to be touched by the future, in the future by the Lord. I'll close with telling you a little bit of a story that happened to me when I was a kid fresh out of college. I was a youth pastor, and the only reason I took that youth pastor job is because they told me they were going to pay me $250 a week to take kids to the beach. I, couldn't, I didn't have a job, and I thought that was the best thing I'd ever heard in my life. I, you're telling me that for one summer you're going to pay me $250 a week to take kids to the beach? I'm all in. I mean, there's not a better job out there. And I could still get another job after this summer's over? Praise the Lord, even though I didn't even know who he was, hardly. <laughs> I had to do Bible studies. I've talked about that before. But I remember one day getting on my side of my bed. And I, I, I didn't really, you know, I wasn't really a person of prayer or anything like that. I was new to all this stuff. And I got on the side of my bed and I said, Lord, I don't know if you're real or not. But all my friends are partying. I've never been a partier before or after that. I said, all my friends are partiers. And, and if, if you're real, I'll go forward with this. But if you're not real, I'm out of here. So please show me. And I was looking up at the ceiling, waiting for the Lord to touch me. I didn't know any better. And guess what happened? The most amazing thing. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And I'm thinking, well, it must not be real, you know. God, thankfully, didn't condescend or lower himself to... Have me force his hand. But by the grace of God, it was a key moment in my life because I had to make a decision. Am I going to go forward with the Lord or leave this thing called Christianity and go out on my own? And over the next couple of years, I began to read the Bible and I began to pray. I had to teach Bible studies, so I read the Bible. And I began to develop a relationship where God revealed himself to me in a powerful and wonderful way. It, it was slow. It was gradual. But it was awesome. And I began to trust him. I'm not saying I had a life filled with trust from that point on. Because I've had some really, really difficult things that I had to walk through. But there's one thing that I've learned through this whole journey. And I pray you'll get this from the lesson today. God is trustworthy even when it seems like everything around you is, is not good. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what he's doing. And in his time and in his way, he will bring about his perfect results. And that, my friends, fills my soul with peace.
And that, my friends, fills my soul with joy. He can do with me as he pleases. I'm his. And he can do with us as he pleases if we choose to be his. I wish we had a little bit more of this, walking and jumping and praising God. I'm not saying we need to all start doing that right now in the church service. I'm saying that that condition is one of joy. Peter said in his letter that Christians are filled with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. They were filled with such joy they didn't even know how to describe it. But that's what we need. When the Lord touches you, you're filled with joy. As you go from this place today, I pray the Lord will touch you in his perfect way, in his perfect time, that you'll be filled with his joy. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, Lord, I thank you for your holy word. I thank you that it went forward today in such a way that it'll embed in the hearts of people. Lord, as we go from this place, I pray you'll bring this message back to our thinking, that you'll bring this best message back to our hearts, that we might trust you in the midst of our situations in life. Father, I pray for a revival of joy. I pray that what happened to this man will happen to us, that our hearts will be filled with joy, that we'll see your beautiful work in our midst. Lord, all around us there are people struggling. All around us there are people hurting. We live in a world filled with sin. But you are a God that has entered this world through your son, Jesus Christ. You have victory over this world through your son, Jesus Christ, and the darkness has been pushed back as we trust in thee. Forgive us, O Lord, as we depend upon ourselves instead of depending upon you. Lord, I love you and I give you praise. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. During this time of invitation, if God has spoken to your heart about this message today, I pray that you'll be obedient to that. If God's called you to become a, a Christian, if God's called you to become part of this church family, trust him. Take him by the hand and go forward. Let's all stand together. If God speaks to your heart, you come.